Good morning, church. I hope you're well this morning. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to uh, thank Pastor and Mrs. Reuter who are not here today for the opportunity to give me uh, this chance to preach the word. I cherish this moment and I pray that the Lord will minister to you this morning uh, through the voice from the voice of man. Today we celebrate Independence Day. It's the day when Zambia got independent. It's an independence from it's an independence from self-determination. I've been asked to remove the mask. You know, when you get used to something, you always want to get uh, to continue to do that which you have been used to. Um, today, Zambia celebrates Independence Day. It's a day when Zambia got free from colonial rule, and uh, so many years after independence, Zambia has been standing as an independent state. At the same time, we see that as an independent state, we have so many areas that we have to be independent from. There is the area of economic, social, and educational independence. And the country is still striving to reach its freedom. When we come to church for us in the kingdom of God, we have the independence from the power of sin, the law of sin, and which shows that we are no longer bound. But at the same time, we have to remain standing in the faith. This morning, I want to share the word of God, and the topic of uh, the message is stand firm, let nothing move you in the season of trials. Uh, the first point I'll be dealing with, seasons come that can unsettle our faith and cause fear. Number two, why seasons of trials and sifting in the earth? Three, in the midst of the, these trials, God's plan is being fulfilled. Number four, an example of patience in the face of suffering. And the last point will be, through these, a created son is being formed. I begin by reading the scripture from the, big, uh, the book of uh, First Kings, and uh, I'll be referring to that chapter. This chapter is talking about um, Elijah. Elijah the prophet and is one of the prophets that we can read more in the book of First Kings. And uh, Elijah, in the previous chapters, 17 and 18, he has just performed a greatest miracle. After the evening sacrifice, there was a time when the Baz, the prophets of Baz were worshiping idols. And Elijah caused all of them to come. And King Hab and everybody who was there, the children of Israel, to come and witness the God who answers by fire, that is a God that the people of God must follow. After the, that evening sacrifice, and God answered Elijah with that powerful move of the Lord when the fire fell on the altar of the Lord. All the prophets of Baal, 400 of them were killed by Elijah and the people that were there. Elijah continues. In the chapter 19, we find the message being sent to Elijah by Jezebel, the wife to King Hab that if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, the message comes to Elijah. When Elijah receives that message, he said to run away from those who sought to kill him. Let's read the scriptures as we proceed. I begin by reading 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, 
Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. First King 19, 1-6, the Bible says, Now Ab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a bottom tree, to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no longer better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. And I read from Luke 12, 49 to 51. Luke chapter 12, 49 to 51. I have come to set the world on fire, I, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I've, I am under the heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, this morning we want to thank you. We want to honor you. We thank you for the presence of your spirit in our midst. We thank you for, for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that, O oh Lord, this morning you are speaking to us. You want, O oh Lord, that we stand firm, that nothing should move us. We know that, O oh Lord, the faith that you have given us make us to stand, for we know we have heard your word. We pray this morning that, O oh Lord, you may anoint the lips of clay, that, O oh Lord, you may anoint the ears of the hearers, that you may open their mind, open their eyes, that they may see that which you are speaking to us this morning. Lord, we thank you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, we have seasons of difficulties in our lives. Many times as children of God, we have wonderful blessings. We have so many things that we enjoy in the kingdom of God. And these things make us to feel the joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. At the same time, when we have this feel-good factor, we come to church and we have this worship, we have these songs of praise, and we should sing more of these. We have this feeling of feeling good in the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what God has called us to. But at the same time, we know that there are also times that come, times of difficulties. It's like a farmer who goes to buy a field. When you buy a field, in that field you find good thing in land. Sometimes you find a rock, you find thorns, you find everything that is in that land, everything you have bought. So this morning as I minister to you, I pray that the Holy Spirit will allow you to listen to everything that I'm going to say this morning, that you buy the whole land. Tell your neighbor, buy the whole land. I'll say some good things and I'll also say some tough things because we have to remind each other of the things that God has called us to. This is a picture of Elijah running away from Jezebel. And it's the same picture that we see in the life of Jacob. Jacob is fighting with his brother 
over the birthright. And he goes to a place where he's running away with fear. Our father, Pastor Reuter, has been preaching about the dislocation of our joint. He has been talking about a testimony when one of his joints was dislocated. And this is one of the painful moments. I don't know if you have seen footballers praying and you just have this cramp. I don't know if for most of you have, uh, who, are, who are watching football like me, Brother Onions and everybody else, when you see what they, what they call a groan injury, something has moved from its place and somebody cannot move and you see that pain. You need to see that pain. It's the same picture that our father has been showing. A picture of a dislocation in a joint is a question that shows us out of position, out of position. This is the same position we see Adam and Eve when they are eating the fruits of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God comes to them and asks them, where are you? Where are you? And this morning I'm asking a question to you, where are you? We need to be aligned. The scriptures that we have read this morning shows the, the journey of Elijah the prophet, the greatest prophet ever. During this journey of faith in our migration, there is a time when we end up alone. There's a time when we end up alone. And this time is a time when we are in a place where God is asking us a question, where are you? God comes to cross-examine us. He comes to ask us questions. These questions we must answer. And he's asking, where are you? It's a picture of what our brothers, uh, Dr. Sodi and Dr. Chitangala, have been showing us in the time of COVID-19. COVID-19 uh, is a time when you are sick, you must isolate yourself. I personally was sick in June, uh, at the end of June, coming to first week of July. And I, I felt the pain of being sick, but at the same time, you must not be with people. See that picture. That picture, that takes you to a place where you must face the pain alone. You must face the pain alone. I remember my last born coming, wanting to come to see me because she's used to this thing of hugging me every day, coming to run after me and have this affection. But at that moment, she would be stopped and I would see my daughter crying every evening, every afternoon, every morning. I was not so, it was not so the pain of the, of the disease, it was the pain of the psychological impact that disease has on you. That I must isolate myself from my family. And this had to happen for three weeks. And my wife would always close the door, lock me inside. And my daughter would be at the door crying. Then I would feel this pain, that affection that you want to have every day. Then I begin to realize this disease is more about the mental health. It's more about the psychological effect that this has, that you must be alone. Yes, I was sick, but the sickness was not so severe that I could not have uh, to move and do all sorts of things. But our health experts tell us we must isolate. So therefore, I must have supper, lunch alone. I must have breakfast alone. I must do everything alone. So you must isolate. So it's some picture I bring to this message where you must isolate and face the pain. Elijah has to isolate himself and go into the wilderness. He goes alone. Similarly, Jacob goes alone during the time he was running away from his brother Esau and he has an encounter with the Lord. This is a time that God is calling us, that all of us, God calls us to a point where we must isolate. We must go to a place into the wilderness. The isolation is a wilderness experience. It's a COVID wilderness experience. And I can bring that to show how God himself wants to speak to all of us individually. Point number one, seasons come that can unsettle our faith and cause fear. Seasons come that can settle and settle our faith and cause fear. And we read from the book of 1 Thessalonians 3, 2 to 4. 
1 Thessalonians 3, 2 to 4. We sent Timothy, who's our brother, and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were, dist we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you will know. Genesis 32, verse 9 to 12, the Bible says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I'll make you prosper. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid you will come and attack me. For I am afraid you will come and attack me, and also the mothers with the children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make you descendants like that of the sand and the sea, which cannot be counted. Here is Jacob reminding God of his promise. When God, Jacob is reminding God of his promise, at the same time he's telling, I'm afraid my brother wants to come and kill me. This is a place where you might think that what is happening you are seeing, the, the sin is what God is doing. God is doing the unseen in the life of the believers. And this morning, God is calling us to a place where we must see that which God is saying even in our situation. So the season that can come can unsettle our faith and cause fear. What, while that which happened may cause fear and appear to unsettle our faith, God can use it and anything to draw our attention to him. Elijah must go back and anoint three men. In that situation he had, God is speaking. In the situation Elijah had, God is speaking. He must go back and anoint Ezel. He must go back and anoint Jehu. He must go back and anoint Elisha as prophet to succeed him. Similarly, Jacob encounters the Lord, and he sees a place where the angels are ascending and descending. It's a place of encounter with the Lord. He thinks the fight is between him and his brother, not knowing that the striving that is happening in his life is a striving between him and God. And this is a place where each one of us must go. When we are born and we become children of God, we have been created, we have been transformed, and God is taking us into a place where we must be seen. And he brings us to a place where we must have a face face to encounter with him. This is a place where God is calling all of us. And Elijah has come to that place. Yes, this is a journey of faith, but there comes time when we become afraid. Elijah is saying, Lord, I want to die. This is some thoughts of suicide. He is a big prophet. All of us, we see men of God, big men of God. But we realize that there's a time where even these big men of God, they come to a place where God must speak to them. Elijah is a, comes to a place where God wants to speak to him after performing that wonderful miracle, after that miracle that God had answered by fire. He comes to a place where he wants to speak to him. Somehow God wants to use the fear that is brought to him by Jezebel to, to bring the promises of God to be fulfilled. He must speak to him. The question we have in point number two, why seasons of trials and sifting in the earth? Why, why seasons of trials and, seasons and sifting in the earth? The question you ask, why this suffering in my life? Why this discipline in my life? Why this pain in my life? Why all these problems in my life? And I think we ask those questions, all of us. Many times there's, there's, there's people who say, why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? 
Why always me? Sometimes you might think that you are the only one, but not knowing that this is for everybody who belongs to the family of God, that we all must go through this. And in point number two, we begin to read Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 5 to 7. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 5 to 7. For who will have pit on you, O Jerusalem? Who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask you how you are doing? During COVID, I received a number of calls of my brothers and sisters who would ask me, how are you doing this morning? And I would say, I'm feeling okay. And then my sister said, but I don't, I don't think that is your voice you have. Because I remember my, my, mom's, uh, my mom, who's here, held a sister to my mom, called me this morning, one morning, and she's asking me, she's talking to me, telling me, actually, my, my son, your cousin, is also sick, very sick with COVID. At the same time, we were sick. Now, of course, she had to go and look after him. Then I'm trying to see who's looking after you. And said, I've got my wonderful wife looking after me. And then she says, my son, but what's going to happen? I don't think that is your voice. And while she's talking to me, she begins to cry. Then I'm asking myself, the person who's calling me begins to cry. Now, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I'm supposed to be encouraged this morning. Why the person who's coming to me is actually looking at me and hearing my voice, they realize that actually I'm in great pain. They begin to cry. So now this is a position that we see in the book of Jeremiah 15, 5. The Bible says, For who will have pit on you, O Jerusalem? Who will, be, who will bemoan you? Who will, have, who will have to turn aside to ask, How are you doing? You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting, and I will winnow them with the winnowing fan in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of their children. I will destroy my people since they do not turn from their ways. They do not turn from their ways. Jeremiah 15 verse 1, the same chapter verse 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart will not go out to these people. Send them away from my presence. Let them go. Hebrews 12, 6, the Bible says, For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves, and he punishes, even scourges every son whom he accepts and who comes to his heart and cherishes. You must submit and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not train and correct and discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction, if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline, in which all God's children share, then you are a legitimate offspring and are not true sons. Yes, what we see is, there's a place where God says, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart will not go uh, to these people. It's contrary to what we have seen in the time of Abraham when Lot, God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. In the book of Genesis 18, which I'm just referring to, you don't need to go there. Genesis 18, 26, this is a time before the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham's nephew was in the city and the family. And Abraham is asking God, will you sweep away the righteous with the unrighteous? He's going to talk about 45. God answers the same, 40, 30, 20, and 10. God still says, I will still spare the city. But what we see in the book of Genesis 19, the chapter after 18, we see that actually God rains sulfur and fire in that city. God was giving them time to repent, giving them time to move out of the city. And Lot and his family uh, were spared, but those who were wicked burned with fire and sulfur. Yes, 
In the book of Ezekiel 14, 12, we read, Ezekiel 14, 12 to 14, the word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by committing a trespass and stretch out my hand against it and breaks its staff of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would, not, they would save but their own lives by their righteousness and their uprightness and right standing with me, said Lord. Yes, he says, even if these three men were in that city, Noah, Daniel, and Job, they would only save themselves, but those who are wicked will have to face the, the wrath of the Lord. This morning, it's not a message of bringing threats. It's a message of reminding us that God brings judgment to his people. When people have gone away from him, the sin that people have committed is not a moral sin. It's a sin of getting away from the Lord. It's a sin of going after other gods. It's a sin of leaving God and going after other gods. That's a sin that these people have committed. We have seen the global pandemic, the crisis that has come to the world. Why? Why we begin to ask ourselves questions. And our Father has been telling us, there are things that God has done and he uses them to fulfill his plan. Some of the things we see is that the church has not been behaving well. The church has been behaving badly. And when we see the church, we're not talking of the church here at God Center. We are talking of the global church where we all are, are included. Those so the church begins, you and I, we are part of that body. So he says, the church has not behaved well. Just come home. Just come to Zambia. Just remember what happened during the elections. Just, happen, just see how the church, the so-called men of God, stood and began to misrepresent God. They were saying God has appointed this man. He's the one that God has appointed. Are you sure God has appointed this man? There's even a song uh, people would sing, Chombo Chano and all that stuff. That was blasphemy. That was blasphemy. You cannot call a man the ark of God. That was blasphemy. And God comes to judge. You cannot blaspheme God and get away with it. And this is a position that God brings us to a place where he says, yes, my church has not behaved in the way they should. Bad behavior, misrepresenting God. God brings discipline by allowing uh, certain things to the nations, to the world. There are diseases that come. Slavery may come. Captivity to the children of Israel. Famine, sickness, flood, fire in the land of Sodom. It's all about discipline. God wants to bring attention to the people so that they hear his voice. And God is calling each and every one of us that we need to hear his voice. God can bring a tormenting spirit on King Saul so that he begins to realize that there is one that God has anointed on, on, in his place. God can drop a king. He changes kings and drops one and leaves another. Daniel 2.21. He can allow instability in government to bring change. God can do anything. God can do anything. Therefore, the church must listen to the voice of God. We see Elisha has to listen to the gentle whisper. God wants to get the attention of Elisha. God wants to get the attention of the church. And he, he must go back and do the work ahead of him. Ezekiel 14.23, the Bible says, you'll be consoled when you see their conduct and their actions. For you will know that I have done nothing in it without cause, declares the sovereign Lord. There's no case without cause. There's no case without cause. Sons have behaved badly. Jacob and Esau are fighting. 
King Ahab has, has slaughtered the prophets in the land of Israel. So God is coming to bring famine. He's coming to bring a drought on the nation. He's bringing judgment. People have violated the covenant. So has violated the covenant Joshua made with the Gibeonites. Proud leaders have become more proud and too proud, and God does not stand pride. The Bible says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Nebuchadnezzar was a man who was so proud, and God struck him with mental illness. He was struck with mental illness. The famine that comes upon the land of Egypt, that shows Joseph that God can manifest his power in the lives of his people. We see in the book of John 9 verse 1 that a blind man was sick from birth so that God's power can manifest in the life of his people. Hannah was barren. The Bible says God had closed her womb. God has closed her womb. Have you ever heard that? When, people's, when you see people would want to go to witch finders to find out what has happened. And Hannah cannot have children. And the Bible says God had closed her womb until she began to cry for a son. The cry of Anna is the cry of God because God was looking for a son. The cry of Anna coincides with the cry of God. When we cry, that which cry, the cry that we have, is that which is the cry of God in our lives. God wants to get our attention. If we read Psalm 119.67, or Psalm 119.67, the Bible says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Psalm 119.71 it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Psalm 119.73, your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your command. We are sent into the world full of problems. The world that stands in opposition to God's plan and purposes in the earth. We are in the world but not of the world. We have problems in the world. One of the topical problems we have in the world globally and even in our country is the subject of corruption, the subject of racial discrimination, nepotism. We have a class society where people are put in classes. People, there are those who are of the high class and those of the low class. Those are problems. God does not discriminate anyone when we come to him. We have high unemployment rate and the church must stand to do its work on the earth. We do not need to die and fly away. Here is a prophet Elijah, he says, I just want to die. And actually, God did not kill him. He had to get him alive out of this world. John 9, 4, the Bible says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. To work, we must put on the overalls. When we are saying we are going for work, we put on the uniform. And uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 6, 11, gives us what we must put on. We must put on the hammer of God so that we may stand even in the time of trials. We must put on the hammer of God so that we can stand. The goal of our affliction, God comes to strengthen us and so that we become a blessings and encouragement to those who are around us. Luke 22 verse 31, we see the life of Simon. Simon is one that has been telling God, as telling the Lord Jesus Christ that I'll be with you even to the death. He's been telling him that I'll go with you even where you die, I will die. But there comes a time when God brings him to a place of isolation. That he must face the desert in his life. That God must begin to cross-examine him so that he sees that there's something in him that must change. And we see in Luke 22, 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, 
strengthen your brothers. There are times when we go through trials and difficulties. God is calling us to a place that when we come back, when we have been restored, when we have been healed, God wants us to come so that we then encourage our brothers. This morning I come to encourage you because God has called us to encourage one another. The book of 2 Corinthians 4.14, the Bible says, Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead who also raised us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on that which is seen. So we fix our eyes not on that which is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we must always look forward. Let's focus our eyes on that which is unseen. Point number three. In the midst of these trials, God's plan is being fulfilled. In the midst of this trial, God's plan is being fulfilled. 2 Kings 19, 11 to 17, we go back to Elijah. We go back to Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah ate it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. The Lord told him, go back the way you came and, not, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Ezel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimsh, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Ebel, Melah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Ezel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. When we see this, we see these men who were anointed, they had a, God had a plan for their lives. In the book of 2 Kings, which you don't have, don't have to read, we have no time, Jehu is the one that comes to avenge the blood of all the prophets that were killed. He also kills the same Jezebel that the prophet, the prophet is running away from. Jehu comes to kill those that the prophet is running away from. 2 Kings 10 says, The Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes, and I've done to the house of Ab. Oh, I had in mind. There's that which God has in mind. God has got something in mind. All that I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Hazel, king of Aram, who was anointed by Elijah, also was God, God comes to use him. If you read 2 Kings 10 32, is a man that God uses to attack Israel. Oh, what about that? That God is anointing certain people to begin to do certain things to you. Hey, I've never heard about that. But uh, somehow, 
I begin to think that sometimes we are, we are agonizing about the situations that happen to our life, that in the book of 2 Kings 10, 32, the Bible says, in those days the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel. Who does he use to reduce the size of Israel? As they overpowered the Israelites through their territory east of Jordan in the land of the Gilead. This is the man that God comes to use to discipline them, so to say, if you want. God has got people that he uses to discipline you. And Ezra is one that God uses, even in the scriptures that I've just mentioned. Elisha, who has been anointed, is the one that is, comes to take over from Elijah. He's the one that succeeds him as a prophet. And we see the miracles that Eli Elisha does is double that of the prophet Elijah. So we cannot underestimate what God is doing in our lives. So we go and look at things that God is doing that we must be alive to that which God is doing. See, the Lord comes to baptize his people with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we read the scripture, when the Lord comes in the book of uh, Luke 3.16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more path than I will come, the thorns of whose sandals I'm not worth to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When we come to God, he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Yes, he comes. He does not just receive our sons, but he wants us to go to the process of formation. He wants to form us so that we can, can become wheat from the chaff. There's a plan that God has. Even Jesus himself comes to separate wheat from the chaff. It's a messy encounter. See the separation of Elisha, he burns the stuff and so that he can do the work that God has called to do. The pen of Anna is what we see leads to the birthing of Samuel. Samuel has been born and is a prophet ever that lived in the time of the Israelites. At none of his words that he spoke fell to the ground. There is a purpose and a plan in those trials and suffering that we all go through. Those difficulties that we go through, there's a plan and a purpose God has. And if you wanted to write some of the things, I've got some of the things I listed here. What are the plans? What are, what's the purpose of these things that we go through? Number one, to test the genuineness of our faith. To test the genuineness of our faith. Number two, God wants to show compassion and mercy. God wants to show compassion and mercy. We can see the life of Job. Number three, God wants us to submit to his will. God wants us to submit to his will. Number four, he wants us to begin to testify. He wants to testify that we are sons of God. God is telling Satan, have you seen my son Job? God can testify, can boast about you, can boast about you, my brother, my sister, that have you seen my son? He wants to testify that you are a son of God because he has disciplined you as a son and he, because he loves you and you have become legitimate. Hebrews 12, 3. To show total dependence on God. When these sufferings and affliction come, God wants us to show total dependence on him. When there is time of calamity and difficulties that we have, we must have total dependence on God. Can I hear amen this morning? Amen. So this morning, God wants us to bring out the growth and develop the level of maturity when we go through these difficulties. In the end, God must be glorified. We lift up our hands in our, and that God has done it. The book of John 9, where we see this blind man uh, who was blind from birth, God himself is the one that receives glory. We go to point number four, an example of patience and obedience in the face of suffering. Point number four. 
James 5, 10, 11 says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed, O who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. 2 Timothy 3.10 You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconian and Eurystria, which persecutions I, en I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The question is, how many of us want to live a godly life in here? I, I know that you don't have to lift up your hand. We are here because we want to live a, a godly life, right? But the Bible says in verse, um, the Bible says in the verse in 2 Timothy 3.10, it says, in fact, who want to desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you'll be persecuted. That is a promise. It's also the promise in his word. The picture of patience in suffering we see in the life of Job, that Job was uh, suffered a lot and he was patient with the Lord. The picture of obedience in suffering, the Lord Jesus himself, the Bible says he, he, he obeyed even to the point of death. The picture of suffering that shows as an example to the life of the Apostle Paul of what happened to him at Antioch, Iconian and Lystra. Paul tells us how he lived, the purpose in life, his faith and his patience, his love and endurance. He shows us the way to live in the family of God. He gives us a place where in the book of Acts 14, 19, your own time you can read the whole chapter. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconian and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Thinking he was dead, it means they had done the damage to his body, and they thought he had died. Verse 20, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the same city where they had just been beating him from. Who can do that? You can run for your life. But the apostle goes back to the very city where the people have just been beating him to almost dying. That's a picture that he shows us in the book of Acts 14. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Ristria, Iconian, and Antioch, strengthening their faith. Disciples and encouraging them to remain true to their faith. We must remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Hebrews 12, 11, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterward, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will in purpose, thought, and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. So then, breast up, reinvigorate and set right your slackened and weakened and dropping hand and strengthen your feeble and tottering knees. Uh, NLO2 says, so then take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall and become, uh, and become strong. Yes, we see that Prophet Elijah must stand back, must stand up and go back where he has come from. What is happening in our personal life is not the only thing God is doing. 
There are many people who are also suffering, like in the time of COVID. There was, the time I was sick, I had many of people at the time we were sick of COVID, many people around us were sick. Many people actually lost their lives. It was so uh, tormenting. At the time you are sick, you receive a message, one of your close relatives has just died. How about that? What feeling do you have? You are sick of the same, you are sick. I remember one of my brother passed here, just called me one day and just started praying for me. Started praying for me, started encouraging me. And what a feeling to have when you have one of your brothers pray for you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to tell you, stand my brother. This is the battle that everyone else is facing. So this morning I come and encourage you, the battles that we face, we are not the only ones. Sometimes it feels like the problems we go through, we are the only ones. Have you ever felt like that? It feels like you are the only one that has got those challenges. And yet, where God is changing and transforming our lives, there's a pain that we all go through, and this pain has a purpose and has to achieve something. While the prophet claims he's the only one left among the prophets, God had something else in mind. Elijah thought he was the only prophet around. Everybody else had been killed. He did not realize that God had reserved 7,000 prophets that had been hidden. That were there. Do not localize the challenges that you have. Do not localize the challenges that you have. The challenges that we have are everywhere. There is a pandemic of what God is doing all over the world. The question is, the question is what problems are we dealing with? What problems are we dealing with? Is it to do with the zeal of the Lord? Is it to do with our selfish agenda, our ambition, that which arises from the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eye? The question is, what sort of suffering are we going through? Is it for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Are we zealous for the Lord? Is this something that to do with our personal ambition and interest alone? What we see is that God is calling us to be zealous for him, to continue doing that which God has gone, because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. First Timothy 1.18 says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in the keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may, you may fight the battle well. You may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which, have, which some have rejected and have suffered shipwreck and with regard to the faith. Among them are Aeneas and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. We need to hold on to faith and a good conscience. The question we have asked earlier is, who wants to live a godly life? Who wants to live a godly life? I guess that all of us who are here, we have come because we want to live a godly life. But when we enter the godly life journey, there is that which God has told us in his word. First, Second Timothy 3, 4 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The kind of persecution may not be where people get a gun and shoot you. The persecution that you go through is a battle that you have with yourself. The battle that you have with self. That, that's you, you, you go through difficulties. You go through suffering. God will bring transformation to your life so that your life can be formed into a mature son. The way of Christ, everyone who wants to live that life must go through the process. Elijah is telling the people who are standing during the time of evening sacrifice, 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Ba is God, follow him. James 5, 7, 10 says, be patient then, my brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. 
You too, be patient and stand firm. You too, be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door, brothers and sisters. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. There's an example of patience in the face of suffering. That example, we find it in the word of God, that we must always look at what the patriarchs in the word of God went through. Sometimes we can, we can also learn, in fact, most of the time, we should learn from those who we look up to. For example, our spiritual father here in this house, Pastor and Mrs. Reuter. The question is, what challenges do they face in the, in the work of their ministry? Look, they will tell you stories of troubles and challenges and difficulties that they go through. The question is, if you are a child of God, are you exempt from those difficulties? You are not exempt. Sometimes the, most of those are to do with the separation between the chaff and the wheat in your life, at your personal life, at personal level. But there comes a time when you go into the arena of playing football that you also must be tackled. Sometimes even break your bone because you are playing football. And sometimes these things happen because why you have volunteered yourself to play in the arena. You do not want to be a, a spectator, but you want to be a partaker of that which is doing. It's the same thing when we go in the field of the kingdom of God. There are things that happen to all of us. Psalm 40 verse 1 to 4, which is not in the bulletin. The Bible says, I, wait patiently, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a mild clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And he established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud or such, no such turn aside to lies. There's a song I was referring to uh, when I was preparing this sermon, uh, this sermon. It's a song that was sung by, Job, uh, by Bob Fitz. Uh, uh, this is from the Integrity Music. Uh, it's a song that says, he will come and save you, he will come and save you. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. There's a verse that says, Say to those who are fearful, hated, do not be afraid, the Lord your God is strong, and with his might arms when you call out his name, he will come and save you. It's, it talks about how he says, Say to those who are brokenhearted, do not lose your faith, the Lord your God is strong, and with his loving arms when you call on his name, he will come and save you. This song will be finished, like, can be finished by the, by the choir. I just wanted to refer to it, that God will come and save you, even in the midst of those difficulties. He will come and save you. The last point this morning, through these, a created son is being formed. Through these, a created son is being formed. We read the scripture in the book of 1 Kings. Uh, we go back to Elijah. We go back to Elijah. So Elijah went from there and found, and found son Elisha, son of shepherd. He was playing with 12 yoke of oxen, and himself was driving the 12th pair. 
Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and sorted them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant, and became his servant. Isaiah 43, 1 to 3 says, But now, now this is what the Lord says who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, they will not be, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I will give Egypt for a ransom, Cush and Seba in your state. Zechariah 12.3 says, On that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it to injure themselves, on that day I will strike every horse with panic, and this rideth with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep watchful eye on the house of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the leaders of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong. The people of Jerusalem are strong. When we say Jerusalem, 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 you are part of Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is a church that is coming down. The church that has gone through tribulations and God has redeemed those people. You are part of that church. The people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. Jacob had to go through the process of formation into sonship. The distress and the fear of his brother after the fight over the birthright bring him to a place where God begins to speak to him. God breaks his tendon. He fights, he finds an angel. In Genesis 32, 24, the Bible says, so Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me, let me go, for this is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? What is your name? Jacob answered, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him. The Lord blessed Jacob. Jacob now has to come to a place where he must realize there is something beyond, beyond the birthright. There is something beyond your personal entitlement. There's something beyond your personal uh, ambition. The prayer of bless me is a prayer of break me. When you're asking God to bless you, you're asking, come and break that which is not uh, in alignment with you. And he comes, why do you wrestle with me? Why do you strive? Why do you have problems? Why are you always fighting? Why are you always fighting, coming into places where there's uh, confusion in your life? You must look beyond those confusions. You must look beyond those marriage problems. You must look beyond those difficulties in school that God is bringing out to a place where he wants you to get the attention of his voice. Pastor Tembo was preaching last week and he gave us a demonstration of how God himself is speaking and there are so many voices around us that there must be a voice because we are a sheep. There is a shepherd speaking, a sheep must hear his voice. That is a demonstration of what God is doing that is calling all of us and we must hear his voice. When we go to a place where a man like Jacob and Esau, his brother who was bitter because of the issue of birthright, see what he becomes. When Jacob comes to meet 
his brother Esau, Jacob begins to get a gift so that he can use it to pacify the anger in his brother. Esau comes and tells him, my brother, keep those for yourself. I'm adequately provided. Instead of fighting for the things, they now look beyond the things. They look at the relationship that they have together in God. And this is what God is calling us to, that there's something that God has called us to look beyond our personal uh, interests and agendas, that we look to that which God is calling us to. Elijah, Elijah must look beyond the fear on his personal life. Elijah must go and anoint these three men who must go and fulfill the purposes and the plan of God in their life. This is what God is calling us to. The prayer in our mouth now changes. Instead of prayer of me, self, it becomes the prayer of we because now Jacob becomes Israel and Israel is a tribe of God and we all belong to one tribe. We are children of God. Now we come to a place where our prayer will say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. God now comes to a place where we say, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So that we seek only his righteousness and his kingdom in our lives. And his kingdom is composed of all the people who are, belong to this tribe, Israel. Genesis 3, 1 to 9, Israel, Israel, who is Jacob and Esau now have this encounter. They unite and they become, they reconcile. Instead of looking at the things that they were looking at, they come to a place where God now begins to show them that which is a big focus. As I begin to conclude this morning, yes, God has created us, but now is forming us. Yes, like in the book of Isaiah, which we have read, he who created us, he who has formed us to become Israel. Even when we go through these difficulties, God is with us. Let your destiny be in Christ is a perfect model. The scars that you, you see on your body represents the wilderness experience in your life, and God wants to use those to bring to a place where you are transformed. Instead of crying for ourselves, we cry for his will. Christ cried for the will of the Father, which, was, which is called the spirit of supplication and grace. The spirit of supplication and grace is a spirit that gives us our prayer and now goes beyond our personal agenda. That instead of crying for ourselves, we cry for his will. Instead of Anna crying for the baby, the boy, Samuel, God he starts to cry the cry of God. That God is looking for a man, a mature son who must be born. This man who has to speak the word with boldness, without fear. None of his word that he spoke fell to the ground. Is the man like Elisha who goes to perform all the double miracles that even his father Elijah had done. It's Jehu who goes to after, after the Jezebel spirit which now wants to enerate and kill all the prophets in the land. God looking for a man and woman of boldness. And we who are his children, we must come to a place where we must allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us. God, Jesus is telling his disciples, remain in Jerusalem so that power can come upon you when the Holy Spirit come upon you. When these disciples who were fearful, these disciples who even feared for their lives, when they receive the Holy Spirit, these are men now who become bold. They, begin, they even allow themselves to be imprisoned. They allow themselves to be, to be lashed, to be insulted and everything. When we come in the arena of the kingdom of God, God is calling us to a place where he wants us to be bored. Tell your neighbor, we, are, we have to be bored. Yes, there is fear around us. In fact, COVID, that can't come has caused a lot of fear upon us. Yes, we must get the messages of how to look after ourselves. But I don't think the message comes to, to, make, to make us fear. But the message comes us to be aware so that we are wise in the way we live. 
We are wise. So if you are not vaccinated, it's wise for you to get vaccinated. It's wisdom. Because God can use man to bring freedom to men. After the, heal, after the sickness I had, that my aunt just calls me and you know what? Why don't you just get and get vaccinated? Go and get vaccinated. I said, okay, okay. So I went and got a vaccine. Then the next day I called my mom in the village, have you been vaccinated? No, we were waiting for you to get vaccinated. I say, okay, I'll, I'll send transport and they take you to a vaccination center. And then I send transport, the, most of my family. So when I went to get a vaccine, my wife followed me, my son followed me, everybody else followed me, and we got a vaccine. Now, what we are talking about here is, there's a place where God wants us to be, where we should not be fearful. We should not be fearful of anything that is around us. So the message this morning, stand firm. Let nothing move you in the season of trial. In the book of First Timothy, which is the Second Timothy one, which is the last verse I'm reading, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. But of power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ, which is a sound mind. Love, our God is the God of love. God has given us those three. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. And this is what God is calling us to. He's calling for all of you, all of us who are here to be immersed in the spirit of a living God so that we can have boldness to do that which God has called us to do in the earth. Let us pray this morning. Our God and our Father, we are so thankful this morning that you are calling us to a place where we should stand firm and not fear anything because you want us to commit ourselves to, your, to the labor in your kingdom. The Lord, we should not be moved or unsettled by anything that comes around us. But you want us, O oh Lord, to stand and continue our journey of migration. You want us to come to a place that even when we have difficulties, when we have troubles, when we have trials, sufferings, and the disciplines that we go through in this earth, we begin to look to a place where we can hear your voice in those situations. Allow us, O oh God, to remain strong, for you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. We thank you this morning that, O oh Lord, you want us to go to a place where we are bored. You want us to go to a place where we live in freedom. Today we celebrate independence in this country, but we know that it's for freedom that Christ sets us free. You want us to live in the life of dominion, for creation, how it's in groaning for the, for the manifestation of sons, in eager expectation of the sons to be revealed. This morning, oh Lord, you want us, sons of God, to, al to arise, to arise and stand firm in the midst of trials and difficulties in the world. That you want us to be the solution to the problems that are happening in our nations. Let the anointing of your spirit rest upon each and every one of us. We pray for our spiritual father and mom who are not here. The Lord, may you attend to anything that is concerning their lives, even concerning their trips where they are this morning. We pray that your grace abound more and more in their lives. We pray for every one of us who is here. The Lord, you continue to speak to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.